CMS Network. And ladies and gentlemen, this young man that we have today, he's family, y'all. He's family. We run in the same circles. We've, we've known each other for a long time. He's a super artistic artist. He's, he's definitely a great musician, a lyricist, a poet. He's been handling this business for a long time. And um, I don't know, he's just talented and educated. He's, he's one of those guys, man. He's one of the great human beings that I know, and um, we're just going to go ahead and get into it, man. I, I can keep on talking, but, but once again, I like to run my mouth, but we're going to let him run his mouth more than me. So it's a beautiful thing. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, excuse me, we have Saraf Sunday. Clap it up. Yo, yo, yo. Saraf, what's, what's up, baby? Peace, up? family, peace. All is well, all is well. <laughs> Hey, man, I'm honored to have you here, man. I mean that 100%, man. I know I say that for all my guests, but I mean it, man. And, and just like I said, we've run the same circles for a while, man, and, and, and we're going to get into your greatness, man. So um, first question I always like to ask is, where are you from? I'm from Columbia, South Carolina, brother. For real? Yes, sir. <laughs> Metro. <laughs> Metro, 803, baby. All right, all right. So, so what's the best thing about being from Columbia? Um, Columbia's interesting, man. I, you know, over the years, I've just seen it go through so many changes. You know, it was a, I've seen the city come together a lot more. It's a lot more, um, culturally attached mm. to things that go on downtown, but you also have a lot of urban aspects of it as well. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You know, you get that slight small city vibe where we have things like soda market, but then you got a lot of really nice mom and pop establishments where people go and hang out. So Columbus is pretty cool, man. You know, um, lots of different people. Um, and for the most part, you know, you got hard heads everywhere, but for the most part, people down here were really friendly. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt the South, man. We, we definitely are there, man. Columbia definitely has that. Indeed. So we're going to talk about some music. So what's your earliest memory of loving music? Oh, man. Sheesh. I want to say, man, you know, probably like two or three years old, my dad had a really big vinyl collection when I was young. And I would always just go through the records and just put on new tunes and, you know, old school cats like Michael Jackson off the wall, Otis Redden, you know, just Isaac Hayes. And I just remember just being infatuated with music. Now, I don't recall this, but my mom told me that when I was a little baby, I would be in the crib and when my sister would play Queens, another one bites the dust, <laughs> I would be up on the little banister 
trying to do the no baseline to another one bites the dust. So I don't recall that, but my mom said she remembered that when I was a little itty bitty baby, probably like a little under one, maybe, you know. Yeah. So yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That more rocks. Oh, so so you were already ready, man. See, it was in it was in you, man. And just like you said, man, you know, our parents having a vinyl collection and playing that music, man, and, and, and it just did something. And I always tell people that, you know, I am not a, a genre snob. There's no genre snob in here, man. So I had people of every, every uh, you know, of every genre, man, just doing what they do. And so I just love music. I know you do too, man. Yes. So that's, that, that, that's what's up, man. So how's the fam doing? Everybody, everybody well? Everybody's well. You know, we're just living and surviving. Got over this whole COVID situation now yeah. going into the monkeypox madness, you know. So hopefully that doesn't get crazy. But, you know, we're just out here living, maintaining, doing the best we can do. 100%, 100%. So, I know two, and I believe I'm correct on this. You, you correct me if I'm wrong. I know two super talented musicians, musicians that went to Keenan. Did they inspire you in any way? And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know a couple of them, but, you know, off the top, obviously John Blackwell. Yes, sir. John Blackwell, rest in peace to the good brother. Really good guy. Met him several times. Always was a down-to-earth guy. John, I've gone overseas, and I have. I tell people that I know John Blackwell, and they will act like I, I knew Michael Jackson. Right. You know? <laughs> Seriously, they was like, you know John Blackwell? And I was like, yeah, man. He was like awesome. Great, very much down-to-earth guy. I remember with Prince back when I was a young boy, I actually called John one of the Rainbow Children they had a yes, drawing of John on his yes. album cover, but he was. Some people would say that John Blackwell might have been the greatest drummer ever in Earth's history. You know right. what I mean? Doing modern terms, yes. and he was just so awesome. Now I know of two other guys. I got my homie Jeremy Robeson. He's a really yes, dope drummer as well. Yes, Shout out to Jeremy. Currently out there touring with Chase Rice doing his thing. Yes, sir. Um, he's awesome too, and he came up under John Blackwell as right. well. Um, but Jeremy's just an awesome guy, great drama, great musician, um, does beats and all that. Now I'm gonna tell you one that a lot of people, unless they're really into jazz, wouldn't know about or wouldn't know about rather, and that's um the good brother Ron Westray. Now Ron Westray is just like phenomenal um trombonist. In fact, he got discovered by I wanna say Winston Marcellus. One day when Winston was like playing, he bought his trombone with him into the audience. And just pulled the trombone out and started jamming. Really? In the session with Winston Marcellus. And Winston Marcellus put him on way back in the, in the 90s. And, like, he's been all over the world, has several albums. Um, but Keenan, under the um, the good stewardship of the great Mr. Lyles, the band director that was there for so many years, shout yeah. out to Mr. Lyles, yeah. put out a ton of awesome musicians. And right. those are just the ones that are known worldwide. You can go anywhere and find great artists they came out of Keenan from the band that they had. It was Raiders, man. I know, man. It, it, it's something else. I didn't know about the last guy, man. But that's, yeah, that's look, awesome. Bro. You, you didn't include yourself in that, but it's all beautiful, though. But we know <laughs> that you're here. You know what I'm saying? So it's, all, so, so it's love. So after high school, man, so you study history and social studies at South Carolina State. So what what is it about history and social studies that, that, that called you, you know, to major in that? Yeah. Um, growing up, and, and I'm real thankful that I had parents that really instilled the value of education and just the value of knowing the past. Um, I always was reading books, man. Like by the time I was like in the fourth grade, I could tell you probably any 
black history fact you wanted to, because I had read so many books that my dad would bring home from conferences and things at that level. Right. But um, I think history and social studies is very important because history is basically told from the eyes of the victims. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times when we're given history, it's been distorted, unfortunately. Right. Like, you know, I... I hate the fact when history becomes something that's more of a tool of propaganda and biasness instead of it actually coming forth and actually giving you an idea of what happened. And then you decide on whether or not it was good or bad, you know, um, very much like our news stations today. You know, you know, CNN has a left slant, Fox has a right slant. But I like to get news from spots like DNW out of Germany. They just tell you what's going on and then they leave it up to you to decide what's happening. But I've always liked history because, as I told you, a lot of times history, um, it's not really shown from the perspective of a holistic view. It's kind of like this side. And I really got that hammering into my head. I went to Paris, France about, this was like back in 2017. And I met this guy from Morocco. He's Moroccan and Swiss. And he asked me, he was like, so so where you from? And I said, yo, I'm from America. He's like, nah, so, so, so what part of Africa are you from? And I was like, bro, like in the States. <laughs> Unless you like, you know, a, a second or third generation, you know, um, immigrant, you know, African-Americans don't know what part of Africa they're from. Now, right. you know, obviously you got Ancestry.com and all those other things, but we don't know specifically um, the tribal affiliations and things of that nature. And it, it really messed me up because he looked me in my face like, what? And he was like, we were never taught about that. Mm-hmm. And something you know that you would think that would be common because you grew up in America and learn about it. I found it real ironic that um dude had never really learned about the transatlantic slave trade and things of that nature. So I was saying to myself, if, if that could like not even been discussed or embedded in somebody's head because of where they were geographically dealing with history, then what's really going on? And it's not about saying anybody's bad or good, but it's just having a good understanding about life and you know, it just helps you be a better person when you can understand the past. Because as they say, if you don't know your past, you're doing a repeat it. Hey man, that is hey, great word, man. No doubt, man. Now I love I love that you you went into that, man, because it, it makes so much sense now. And and when you speak of your father, of course, you know who your father is, you know. You know, we had to get out get, get all into it. But man, it seems like you took some of the stuff from him. You know, and and your mom, man, it's a great thing, man. It really is because you know we know absolutely what your dad has done in South Carolina, man. So you know, respect to him most definitely. Thank you, bro. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, how much fun did you have at state? We know they got one of the best bands in the country, man. So, how much fun did you have at state? Oh man, (laughs) bro, state was like nuts. So when I went there, man, um, when I went to state, man. That's when I had locks, you know what I mean? Uh-huh, and you, yeah. you couldn't tell me I wasn't Jamaican. I was just thinking like, <laughs> oh, bro, what's I going down, all that, you know, hanging out with the Trinidadians and yeah. going to Trinity parties. I had a really great time at State. You know what I mean? You know, people have their own ideas about, you know, going to predominantly a PWIs versus HBCUs. Uh-huh. But what I can say about from my experience, and this is strictly my experience, obviously, um, <laughs> because I went to college in Charleston for two years before I went to State. Right. But um, when I went to state, man, it was interesting because it seemed like the staff there was was rooting for you to make it more. It wasn't like so much you pay um, to be there and, you know, like it was just a business. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Exactly. It wasn't like a, it was like they, it was a sense of like, we want to see you make it. And right. even when you're not at your best, 
if you meet us halfway, we can get we can we can finish the goal. Not so much, oh, you didn't make it and you're out of here. That's your grades. So, you know, state was great, man. I got tons of wild stories, man. I met lots of great people in state from all over the country, um, all over the, um, the Caribbean. Um, people from Africa, from Europe. I just had a really good time, you know. State shout out to SC State Board of um, that had a real big um, making it and rolling what I did in life, opening up for talent shows, opening up for Eve. Uh, you know, Mister back in the day, just going and allow. They really allowed me to be a student and an artist at the same time. So I, I, I really appreciate the time. It was it was awesome. You never know how good those times are until you until you, you know. You look back in hindsight and you get a little older and reflect on the times you had, but I had a ball of state. Oh, man. South Carolina State had so much history, man, and uh, it's a beautiful thing, man. You, you spoke about the elephant, man. I like that. I like that. Definitely. So, to me, my perspective of you, you are a very conscious artist to me. Now, you've done some things here lately. You know, you you, you know, let, let people know that you you it varies with you. You know, you got those kind of skills. So, definitely an intellectual. So did your time at SC State influence your musical style and writing? Uh, I'm going to be real, man. When I was at State, I was at a stage in my life where I was really getting into spirituality, like on another level. Yeah. So our man, during that time period, my lyrics was basically about just um, self-discovery and more or less learning about the mysteries of life. Mm. Now, I will say this, when I got older, though, it did switch over when I started working for Hot 103.9, the big deal. Yeah. I did start doing things that were a little um, more worldly, you know what right, I mean? Right. But, you know, as an artist, I think that's a cool thing, you know, like, yeah. I mean, you know, to me, like, the greatest artists were the ones that could that could just do all types of styles, like Busta Rhymes, you know, yes. and, and Andre 3000, they could do a, a ballad or they could do some stuff off the head. Right. With sciences, or they could just do a party track. And to me, that's what the artist is. They have the ability to more or less do all types of music. They're not really subjugated to like one style, like you spoke about earlier. Um, I've never been just a fan of one genre. You know, I mm-hmm. like rock, I like soul, I like funk, I like house music, you know, mm-hmm. I like yeah. Afrobeat, you know, yeah. reggae. Like, I, I mean, for the longest, you know, I, I used to listen to Putamayo all the time. Putamayo is this, um, this collection of albums through this label who have world music. So they would have music that would be like an Arabic music that would be in um, Spanish, just all types of music. And although I couldn't understand what was being said in the music, you know, it's just something about the vibration. The vibe of it. Yes, the sonics of it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir, man. Hey, man. Beautiful, man. Listen, I'm with you 100%, man. I feel you. See, I wanted you on here because I knew we were going to have a good conversation about about just worldly things, but just music. I, I don't I don't get political and stuff like that. You know, I want sure to talk about music and stuff like that, but but I knew you were gonna bring that to it, man. So ladies and gentlemen, Seraph is that guy. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so Seraph Sun Man, what does that name mean to you? Okay. Uh brief little history, man. This is really weird. Like when I was young, like in middle school. Um, I used to call myself the sire, like the king, like sire, you know, yes, sire, you know, yeah, right. Star Wars, like sire, yeah, sire. But I remember, and this, I tell the story and people always think I'm pulling their leg, but this is no lie. I remember being in my eighth grade class, in my homeroom class, and all of a sudden, like, 
something like this sounds nuts, but something like whispered to me, man. Like I heard this this voice and it was seraphic. So I was like, Cyan is seraphic. They got a cool ring to it. Now keep in mind, I had no idea what the word seraphic meant at all. I had no idea. So something just said, man, look it up to see if it's actually a word. And lo and behold, I looked it up and it was a word. Mm-hmm. And then when I looked it up, it meant um the ones that glow, the burning ones, the ones mm-hmm. that sound bright, seraph from Hebrew, which is um actually derived from the angelic beings they speak about. Uh, and I believe Genesis called the seraphim. You got the seraphim and the seraphim. Mm-hmm. So it was wow. So then, you know, um, it went from side to seraphic to when I got to college, actually, I just took the seraphic art and just did seraph son of man. So mm-hmm. it's like the burning, shining child of the sun. You know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. really what I try to do with music. Um, I mean, I get it. I know music is entertainment, but music is also a very powerful tool for upliftment and helping people to, you know, get through their days. Like, for the longest, I did music because it was therapeutic. I was going through things and just doing the music just helped me out for my day-to-day life. It was almost like, you know, keeping journals, being able to process your feelings and emotions and, you know, making sense of life. Because, as you know, sometimes we get into this mode of existentialism or just seeing what we are in the whole realm of the universe. You know what I mean? So... So we have some man is basically, you know, of course, growing up, we had all the mans. We had Red Man, Method Man, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus was the snowman, you know. <laughs> so, you know, so I was like, I'm gonna be the sun man. I'm, I'm gonna be here to, to shine light or to, to enlighten or to, you know, try to bring forth some type of understanding in a world that oftentimes, you know, thrives off ignorance, unfortunately. My brother, you blowing right now, man. What you talking about? Right now, this man glowing, man. It's love, man. Um, oh, definitely, man. So now here's a real question though too. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about our, our boy a little bit. So were you a part of Equanimity? Absolutely. Shout out to Jay Hart, Equanimity. Hey, the hit man <laughs> So so it was you and Jay, and who else was there? It was primarily it was Jay, it was myself. Um Rest in peace to the good brother Crick. He transitioned Crick. about yeah. maybe four or five yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, I was trying to remember Crick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rest in peace to Crick, but it was Crick. And, um, you know, that that was like the, my foundation when actually doing music. I was blessed because, like, back in the 90s, when, you know, people didn't have access to studio equipment, mm-hmm. Jay, who were neighbors, his dad, shout out to Mr. Hart, rest in peace, rest in peace actually yeah. bought him um, a keyboard. It, it, was a, it wasn't an ASR. It was, it was the ASR minus the sampler. So mm-hmm. when I was like in the ninth grade, this is like in the early 90s, mid-90s, basically, Jay was able to crank out beats. He had ADAP machines. <laughs> we could actually go over there and record and make music. And he wouldn't charge anything. He had so much of a love for the music that yeah. if he really enjoyed what you were doing, he was like, man, come on. Like, you know, he, he cranked out. I mean, I was like in 11th grade with like mixtapes with all original beats back in the 90s, which was, and not even paying for it, which was crazy back then, right, you know, but right. Equanimity, yeah, man, that was the foundation. A lot of, a lot of dope artists came through Equanimity. Well, there's no doubt, man. Meeting you guys, listen, coming through there with Jay, <laughs> having a ball, man, and I love every moment of it. Just you know, much love to you know, once again, his dad and mom and his grandmother and his, yeah. you know, what it was, pet and print parlors. What he owns, right yeah, and they listen, still going strong, still going strong, Jay. Yeah. So talented, man. And, and quick story, I can remember coming over. And they were waiting for me to get there. And Sean was all over, already over there, SK. 
So of course, the SK Blast said, and all you know, all of us, man, we love Sean's music. So we go over there, and I remember SK was like, "Man, I don't know, man. I just, I'm just not vibing on." I, I, I was just like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Jay, you know, a lot of times I get over there, Jay would just start playing music, so he played music yeah. that he liked, right? And nothing, mm-hmm. no, nothing wrong with that. This stuff, but, but I would always tell him, Jay, just run through them all." I said, you don't never know what's going to hit me because you know I love a melody and flow, and we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk a little bit more about that a little bit. I got a good question for you after that. But man, I just came in there and I was just like, Sean, man, what are you talking about, man? Hey, the body sent it to it. He was just like, I get it now. He said, I, I see where you are. I was just like, yo, man, you gotta feel this, man. You know, as yeah. Sean has said, and everybody was, man, was listen, great vibe going over there. And having a ball with with, with Jay, uh, disrespect maximum to Jay Hard, man. They do, man. They sure do. Indeed. They living, man. Yes, indeed. All right, so tell us how you ended up collaborating with artists in France. How you get over there, man? Because you got a few dope songs and videos out there. So how did that happen? Oh, wow, man. Uh, basically, what happened was um, I had a good friend of mine. His name is The Dubber. He's a guitar player. He's, like, known, like... He has a really dope um, acoustic style of playing music. Shout out to the double, a.k.a. Brother Breath. So I remember when Double went over there and he went over there. He essentially got he was going to London and this guy over there by the name of James Stark, who has a group called Urban Groove Collective. It was Urban Groove Unit at the time. Heard some of his music was like, yo, if you can get the pass, I can, you know, give you a place to stay and go from there. So Double made a very good connect with James. He came back and said that James was basically looking for uh, a hip-hop artist for one of the tracks he was doing with the Man Urban Groove Unit. So he sent me the beat, and it was actually a remake to um, Baby Huey's song, Listen to Me. Um, and it was done with All Live Band. James ended up sending the track to me from the connection through the double, and he really dug it. He was like, yo, well, we're going to have some shows coming up. You know, y'all want to come out. So Long story short, Mustafa, shout out Mustafa, isms are art. Mustafa, Devin, myself, we all flew out to France. Mm. We did about three shows and we like tore it down, man. It was yeah. crazy because I had never been overseas. Yeah. And that's what started the initial um, the initial contacts I had. So went there for that one time, did about two or three shows. I went back and I was introduced to a, a good brother named Super Yahweh, who does a lot of hip hop. Um, yeah. Shout out Super Yahweh. Yeah. Yahweh um, originally from Burkina Faso in Africa. That's what's cool about going to France. You meet people from like all over the world, right? So um, he was digging what I was doing. He was like, yo, let's do a track. So we ended up going to DJ Edom's spot. Shout out DJ Edom. He's uh, Moroccan and Swiss as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the track was just dope, man. So it was like I was able to connect with the band scene as well as like the underground hip hop scene. I was able to like, you know, be at these festivals, underground festivals, with like straight French hip hop artists. And then the next day I'd be in some high end jazz club that didn't even, that didn't even have hip hop artists in it. Right. And it was interesting because I remember this one guy when I did a show and he came up to me after the show. He's an older gentleman. He said, um, you know, I'm, I'm really not into the style of music. He said, but I really, really enjoyed what you did tonight. Yeah. So it was cool just to see how, you know, you know, it's just like certain foods. People won't try certain foods because it just looks yucky. Right. But it's just cool that, you know, you you um, are able to, you know, allow people to experience something they normally wouldn't experience and for them to find some type of joy, happiness or pleasure within it. So 
you know, I have a ball, man. I go there in them jazz clubs and, and you know, it's like a mix of the singing. And then I come in and do my balls on it and they be like, ah, it's yes, like, sir. it's crazy, man. You know what I mean? Paris is dope, man. Yeah, yeah. Not, see, and, and just culturally, um, of getting that vibe of something else, man, that you never knew that you liked, man. But, you, you know, these are the times that you got to try things and, and music is universal, man. And if, if people just open their minds a little bit, they would see so much more because there's so much out there, man. So, hey, absolutely, great, great words. So, so you like me have had significant success in Europe. So, what is it right. about Europeans' love for music that differs from the U.S.? Um, from what I've gathered, they don't really get caught up in what's trending or what's being fed to them through the radio. Right. They what they like is what they like. I mean, I remember like hearing about Curtis Blow doing a show over there that sold out when he was like sixty one. They still, still, yeah, they can still do still, it. Still rocking and killing yeah. it. And also, they have a they have an appreciation for hip hop, which is different. Like you know, in the states, I'm considered like a dinosaur to the newer generation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like everything now. I'm not dissing the younger stuff because yeah, you know, I, you. I, I love I love what they're doing. But you know, everything is like extremely auto tune. And everything is gangs and killing and ultra, you know, hypersexual. And it is what it is. Right. But over there, they still have an appreciation for lyrics, man. They yes. they don't they don't mind if it's a you know a, a tribe called quest sounding beat. Or, you know, they still right. like that stuff yeah. like that. You know, like like, and I'm talking about people that are like in my age demographic. I'm talking about people that are like in their twenties and teens. Mm-hmm. They have an appreciation just for music, like. Um, you know, it's kind of like with us, you know, if, if you like something, you like it, it doesn't matter how old it is. And unfortunately, right. in America, you know, with TikTok and all these other social media devices, it's kind of about like what's hot at the moment. Whereas over there, they listen, they remind me kind of like how I approach music. You know, what I like is what I like, you know, yes. it doesn't matter if it's, you know, from the 70s or the 40s or the 30s right. or, That's you right. know, if, if it's jamming, it's jamming. And so, <laughs> yeah, they just have a really unique perspective when it comes to just not even unique. They 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 like what they like, and it's not about what's popular or trending. But That's if it's funky, they rock with it. That's real, man. I, I one hundred. Listen, you are so on point with that. I feel the same way, and that's what I saw, man. I just looked around. I was just like, and they got respect and love, man. And they really yep. get into the music, man. They really enjoy it, man. So, um, of course, shout out to all music lovers. But you know, Europe, Europe is special, man. So, I want to get a little serious right now. This is just real. I know I like to laugh a lot, clown a little bit. So for a moment there, man, you disappeared on me, man. I was just like, I hadn't seen you or you went yeah. out for a minute. And then you let me know something. So so can we talk about the accident you were in, man? Oh, man. Absolutely. And how it changed your outlook on life and the approach to music possibly. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, 2018 in June, driving too fast uh, while it was raining, faulty brakes, didn't have on my seatbelt, always wear your seatbelt. Mm-hmm. And hit the brakes. They they jammed up on me. I ended up hydroplaning and hitting this tree. Wow. And I broke my neck. I popped my hip out of my, my, my body. And I, I rocked my dome like in a major way. Like at one point, they didn't even think I they didn't know whether I was gonna make it or not. Cause I spoke to the doctor and he was just like, you know, I don't know what you believe in, but it works. He says, because people who break their neck like how you broke your neck, he said they either die on the scene or they're like quadriplegic with a breathing mm-hmm. tool the rest of their life, which is almost like death in itself, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um that happened and it it, it you know it, it took me out for a while, man. I mean I had um 
you know, they had to put um, screws in my neck to finish my um, my vertebrae and do some reconstructive surgery on my hip. And, bro, I know the fentanyl thing is killing a lot of people, but I know for a fact that that stuff is strong because they used fentanyl on me when I was in the hospital. Wow. And for me to have the type of invasive surgery that they did, that they put on me to my bone stuff, I didn't feel anything at all. Now, wow. I felt a little, little whacked out for about a year and a half, you know, because just one little bit of that makes you different. But that ended up happening. That happened in June. And I had this this aspect or rather this feeling that, you know, I can't let an accident stop me. Like I've been in another major car accident about 10 years earlier where I flipped a van on the highway. And, um, you know, I just had this, this, this idea more or less that, you know, um, no matter what, you got to just keep going. So I got an accident in June. I was able to actually get cleared to go back to work as a school teacher. Uh, and, August, which is crazy, two months. Like the way I was, the wreck I was in, the way I broke my neck, I had several people tell me straight up. They were like, man, you could have been out all the way to like spring break of next year. But I just didn't want to sit in the house. I didn't want to be in the bed. You know, I just felt like I had to keep living. And man, through the grace of that, which is greater, man, I just, you know, powered up. Actually, it happened in June. In October, I was back over in Paris <laughs> doing shows and recording videos. Hurt, you know what I mean? Yeah, Walk with yeah. a limp. But you're still trying to keep it happening and moving, bro. Oh, man. Hey, listen, man. You, you know, the, the love is with you, man. God is with you, man, most definitely. Because when you told me that, I was just like, what? Because I hadn't heard of I had, You know, Jay hadn't said anything about it or anything like that. And mind you, it's your business and all that like that. But when I was just like, yo, smack, man. What you, you, you was like, yo, man, you know I've been in an accident. I was just like, what? Yeah, you had to tell me, and then you just went, you know, even went you went further in the details right there, man. And, and just like, hey, you're still here, man. Blessings, man. And that's what it is, man. Most definitely, man. So let me ask you this. Yeah. I used to come over when Jay Hart had the you and Jay was over at the apartment, man. And um, I used to come in there and we used to work on some music and stuff. <laughs> so what do you remember about the song So Hot? Oh man, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you guys are some wild dudes. Y'all are wild, man, but I'm trying to tell you, man, it's crazy to me. But God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. I, I mean, the title says it all. <laughs> title says it all, man. You know, that was that was a wild time, man. We were just free artists back then, you know. It wasn't about a record deal, you know, it was just about right. us just doing things that that you know that we felt we were truly artists and Unfortunately, I don't think you really see that for the most part anymore, except for like some of the underground artists. Yeah. Um, if, for the most part, everybody's doing trying to, you know, be the next, you know, radio big act on the radio or things right. of that nature. You don't right. really see people doing it from the heart anymore. It's they're more or less uh, following trends and trying to start their own lanes. But man, so I know those things back then, bro. We were we were just man, like just being ourselves, man, just going off the top of the head. <laughs> Literally, and it's expressing, you know, expressing ourselves to music. And I think that's important because, as I said earlier, I, I don't really, I don't find that that much anymore. Like, I don't really yeah. listen to radio because music, and I'm not knocking it, like I said once again, but music used to like, well, I'm not going to say music, but the music now doesn't really move me. And I saw something interesting. I read a report that said that the artists on YouTube were getting streamed, like, way more 
than anybody else are the ones that are like, you know, going back to the, the 90s, 70s, and right. 80s. And, yes, like, indeed. you don't find a lot of the new music get screamed that heavy in comparison to like some of the older music. Old stuff, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, because you still had that feeling, man. Like, you know, I can pull in stylistic, it's me again, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, or some Fela Conti, or you know, even even some of the like electro electronic disco stuff, like Shannon. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, play, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a vibe to that stuff, man. Yeah. Like, and I don't really get that, but I will say this, man. Like, when we were going through that equanimity phase, it was all about you know the vibe and yeah. just being artists and not trying to sound like anybody else. Well, all I know is that I come over there. And and here it is. That song was one of the fifteen that I freestyled with Jay. You know, I just came in there, and then you said, "You do know that when we are doing what we do, we play this song." Man, it just made <laughs> me laugh so hard. But it, it just we are so high. You know, it's just funny to me. But you yeah. saying that was just like I was just like, man, that's 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 been. But it's how things can touch people, and uh. It was just cool to be better. Bro, that was on repeat for every session. It was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. (laughs) So, look, so what are your aspirations for music in the near future, bro? All right. So I'm at an interesting point in life. Um, Before COVID hit, I was going to Paris about three times a year Mm -hmm. um, and doing shows. Uh, COVID hit for those two years substantially slowed a lot of things down for artists in general because of the closing of venues. Um I actually have three albums, man, that I'm that are done, artwork done. I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna put those out. I have yeah. my own album, um Seraph Some Man, I Love You. That's finished. Mm-hmm. Um got a lot of dope um dope artists on it um contributed to it from France. I also have an album with a good sister named um Venetia. She goes by the name of um Venetia Running Wolf. And hey and this is what's crazy. Venetia actually has a song but um, the house DJ from Chicago named Trent, I think it's Trent, Trent Darby. I think it's Trent Darby. He just had an album to come out with Corbin and all that. And she has a, a um, song with him, which is dope, called Flowers, which is dope. And then I have another project that's been complete sometime by the name of um, Black Salt. And it's me and a good brother, Promise. He's a big R&B act um, in the Southeast. And it's like a, you know a soul hip-hop album so i got those two albums um you know they've been done for some time but the thing about it as you know when you do music you're not trying to sound like what's going on currently so your music is never dated so you know it's still relevant still don't i'm gonna put that out at this point you know with me it's not about being um, a worldwide icon as i've gotten older my whole perspective of what i want to do as an artist has changed when i was a young boy it was about you know um, doing big shows in big cities and Madison Square Garden and having all the ladies and mm-hmm. best cars. Now that I'm older and have three sons, you know, I just want to make sure I can leave a legacy and something for them to have when I'm no longer here. You know, so music to me is more or less where I'm going with it. It's, it's to, I don't want to say build a legacy, even though I just said that, but to leave something for my children, because I've invested a lot into it. I haven't received anything close to what I put into doing music, but I will say the experiences um, are priceless that I've had from it. So right now, more or less, you know, like I was saying earlier, I'm still an artist. It's still therapeutic. Uh, my goals have changed with what I'm trying to do with it, but 
you know, I'm content with, um, you know, traveling overseas and, and doing shows the way I'm doing it. Um, yeah. I speak to a lot of artists, um, even artists that have been successful artists, like on Def Jam. And they're telling me stuff like they never even left out the country, you know, and I don't toot my horn or anything, but I don't know of any other artists, uh, hip hop wise from South Carolina that basically on their own have traveled, you know, I've been to Paris, like I say, 10 times, Switzerland twice for shows, yeah. Britain like t- two, three times. Um, one time out there with Big Bub, shout out Big Bub. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, was, I did a show with Big Bub in London. It was crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, out there yeah. with him, Glenn Jones, and some other folks. And that was like awesome. I was Bub's hype man, which is like unforgettable. He's like everybody knows R&B legend, wrote yeah. Mary J. Blige's In My Lifetime album, and a lot of stuff was with the group today with Teddy Riley. Hey, yes, so. Sir. Yeah, it's just a blessing, man. But, you know, to answer your question at this point, music just keeps me alive, man. It's just something I do to, I'm not going to say it's a hobby because I still know there's money to be made, but it's just so, it's so intricate and it's so oversaturated. But the thing about it is if you have a certain type of music um, that is able to make people feel a certain type of way, there'll always be an avenue for you. Like, I'm not trying to be all on the radio and, you know, doing shows with like the younger artists, like, like that's I'm, I don't do that. I don't do the rap. I don't do the auditorium. I'm a hip hop artist, and right. you know it's a, an entirely different circuit for that right now, especially in America. Now in Europe, it's a lot different, as I told you. But even if you go to major cities like Atlanta or New York or you know Denver, uh, especially out west, you know they still have these these scenes for artists that still do hip hop, which is dope. Okay. Yo, man. So so let me ask you this question, man. So you talked about. Big Bub, right? Yeah. Today, man. So I saw the video with you. So, so talk about that London show again, man. So what was up with the London show? What's happening in the world? Sarasson, man. The ever-glorious, legendary Big Bub. Peace. We're out here in London. What's going on with him, King? Tonight, I'm in London. My boy came from Paris. Showtime tonight with your boy Big Bub in London. It's going down. It's going down in a measure weight, you know what Word. I mean? From Jersey to the South Cacolab, we're doing this worldwide winning Boom. never giving up. Shout out. Yeah, uh, you know, shout out to Bub, man. Bub is, I've known Bub for about roughly 14 years, and um, he's really, like, extended his hand out to help me out with a lot of stuff. I remember when Bub was doing, he was recording with Snoop Dogg out in L.A. He was like, yo, Sarah, come on out here. You good. You know, you can I'll put you down with stupid corrupting them. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was just moving back to Columbia, mm-hmm. and. I saw how Bud was like in the studio with Snoop and going in. I was like, dang, I should have went. So when he told me he was going to be in London, and it just so happened to be at the same time I had some shows booked in France. Right. So I ended up flying to France, and um, my homie ended up helping me to book a train with the, the Eurostar, the blitz train, go like 20, 40 something miles an hour. Like you feel the G force in that joint when it's riding so fast. So I got to Paris. Um, I hung out with people in Paris for a while, and then I ended up catching the um, train to London. Got to London, and end up linking up with Bub. And Bub had to show some um, some African cats over there, right by Wembley Stadium. Man, they had this um this show. They were they were like really big and they bring like eighties uh, R and B acts and people of that nature. So it was Glenn Jones, really big phenomenal artist in Silk, uh, Big Bub, as well as these two other artists that were like underground charting artists that was in the states, but they still were doing their thing. And they had a following in the UK, which is dope because I tell a lot of artists 
you don't have to be on the radio to be successful. You know, there's so many artists that are underground that get booked overseas that you've never heard of. Right. And, are, and are actually charting overseas on like their on like their billboard type charts that they have that you've never heard of over here. So we, I did the show with Bub, and it was just awesome, man. You know, he got up there, did his thing. He did um the song he got with uh today him. Man, right. dude, yeah, 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 yeah. Think of I come on the stage. So I'm up there, I'm hype manning them. You know, all the people in London is going nuts. And it's wild because <laughs> in London, people really don't think about it, but they have like a massive like African yes, immigrant yes, and Caribbean. Sir. So it's just a bunch of fly African people. Uh, the big bub. That's my big bro. If I ever call him and need some words, some advice, he always opens himself to give me some of that good knowledge. Bub, a lot of people don't. Well, people know, but he was actually the vice president of Motown Records when he was like in his late 20s. Mm-hmm. So he knows everybody. I mean, everybody. Teddy Riley. I say today was the first group that Teddy Riley actually put out. Yeah. So Buster Rhymes, he knows everybody in the industry, but he's just so down to earth, man. You know, yeah. you you have no idea that he is who he is if you just walk into him and know who he knew because he's a very humble, great spirit, great person, man. Shout out to Big Bug. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, look, man. We're going to go ahead and end on that great note and uh, let the people know, man, how they can get in touch with you, man, how they can scream at you and, and check you out if they need to. No and doubt. they want to. Yeah. Yes, yes, please. If you're trying to contact me, you can hit me up on my email. It's saravsunman at gmail.com. S-A-R-A-P-H-S-U-N-M-A-N at gmail.com. So my artist name is saravsunman at gmail.com. Um, my webpage is actually back under construction. All right. So if you're trying to, if you got Facebook, you can find me on Facebook under the same name, Saraf Sunman, S-A-R-A-P-H-S-U-N-M-A-N. Um, hit the page, give me a like, um, message me. I'm I'm very expedient with my messages. You just let me know. And, um, you know, if you want to work or do something, I'd be more than willing and happy to do so. Yes, indeed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, man, this has been a true pleasure for me. Having one of my brothers on here, he, he's really that dope guy. And as you can hear and see, he, he's not on that regular level. He's on another level. You know, I only deal with top shelf people anyway. You know what I'm saying? That ain't my arrogance. It's just the truth, man. I only deal with great individuals, man. And, uh, <laughs> but everything is love, man. So I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me a little bit, my brother. Really Thank you. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes, indeed. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you know who it is. It is the Lord. Nelson, that is, from Live and Live with the Lord on the CMS Network, man. And we have just had Sun Man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right.
parts, now I'm whole. Hey, Bruce Lee Roy, they get shown up when he got the golden glow. Feeling like James minus the permed out foe. Crew and Papa got a brand new bag, it's 64. Yeah, feeling like Moda singing, I can't get no satisfaction with soul. This ain't the Rolling Stones, this would never be televised. Yeah, she's so power, got them scared, wanting to compromise. The art for this new age sound, get some of that stuff hot, but it don't get down. Pass the flask and take a shot of the crown. The first will be that show we run in this town. Never fat in the white head, ain't no stop but us now. Before black lives matter, I've been black and proud. So power like Barack, give him a shell that pound, that's what it is.